Welcome to Business of Design. Business of Design is the world's best business training for interior design professionals like you. The Business of Design podcast offers immediate, actionable strategies and a glimpse into some of the many field-tested, proven systems you can implement to transform your business and your life. After the show, head to businessofdesign.com and get started with the BOD 15-step project management strategy and six foundational programs. Together, they deliver the systems, procedures, and strategies you need to run a successful, highly profitable design business. There's no theory here. The complete BOD business model is yours through Business of Design membership. Business of Design. There's only one. And now, your BOD Advocate-in-Chief, Kimberly Selden. I just had the most wonderful conversation with a lovely man named Robin Witcherly in Finland. Uh, Robin is a Brit. You will hear that in his accent. He is a commercial designer. He now coaches other interior design professionals, and he's got great actionable advice. Maybe advice that you know already but haven't implemented. He's going to talk about auditing your business, slowing down to make sure you're analyzing what's worked in the past and what hasn't. I know we've touched on these themes before on the show, but it's like an AA meeting, right? You don't just get sober and go to one meeting and say, thanks, I'm sober now. I'll take it from here. At least that hasn't been my experience with business of design. I have to be reminded of the powerful, healthy habits I want in my life because from time to time they slip away. So for example, Robin talked about how we will wake up in the morning and we'll rush to our computer and check our emails. And I have to say, I have recently been guilty of that again, where in the previous year, even three, four months ago, I would block out that first one and a half hours in the morning to do the most important thing. I'm fresh. I'm alert. I want to get it done. I'm feeling great. I've got a cup of coffee. Let's do this, right? Um, So I'm happy to have been reminded of some important healthy habits I want to keep in my business. I'll tell you what else is important to me, and Robin reminded me of this today. Robin said he was kind of surprised that I was willing to promote the fact that he also coaches interior design professionals on the show. And I always remind myself that our job at Business of Design, my mission is to improve the industry one designer at a time. And so many of you have signed up for Business of Design membership. You support the events that we host You've come on the podcast, you've given us your testimonial, and we're so grateful and so appreciative. But from time to time, you will hear other coaches on the podcast. If they have good, solid, actionable advice, of course, that benefits the industry. It's not just about me. My primary business is running projects for clients who are happy, and I make a lot of money doing that. Business of Design is my passion project. It's my give back project, and I love the work we do, and I know it's important, and I know it will change your life. So if you haven't yet signed up for Business of Design membership, you should really do that no matter what else you do. Nothing will transform your business the way the practical step-by-step process we teach will. Nothing. I can guarantee that. Robin was a wonderful guest today. You can find Robin at E2Design on LinkedIn. That's I-T-U underscore design on LinkedIn. That's his social network of preference. And you can get more information about Robin's coaching at optimizeyourdesignbusiness.com. If you're driving, don't panic. We'll put this information in the show notes. 
And by the way, the show notes at businessofdesign.com. Gosh, if I didn't allow coaches to come on the podcast, there'd be no one for the podcast. It seems like every day there's more and more people popping up as coaches. I always have a real respect for those business professionals who are practicing and have clients and therefore really understand what it takes to do this job. And also those design professionals who are running profitable businesses. If I were hiring a business coach, I would definitely want to see the proof of that profitability because that's what so many of us are missing, right? The profitability sometimes is the key that unlocks all other things. Once you're profitable, it's only because all the other systems are working accurately and correctly, right? I don't think you can solve for profitability if you're not fixing every other little hole that's in your bucket. And you will in this episode here, Robin and I talk about how important process is. Episode 329, Designing Your Future with Robin Witcherly. You are definitely in the right place, you fabulous interior design professional. And you know who else is in the right place? Cheryl Horn. Hey, Cheryl, what's happening? Well, I'm so glad you asked. I'm going to focus in on one event because it's happening this week. And we've had a lot of inquiries, so I want to make sure that nobody misses out. We have partnered with Julia Nikishna of New Age Financial Consulting to host key financial aspects if the economy takes a downturn. We want to address all of the inquiries that we've been getting from members and um, sort of get ahead of some of the decisions that everyone is making that kind of feels like decisions are being made out of a place of fear rather than just being prepared uh, to make those decisions at the right time. So this webinar is happening on Thursday, June 22nd at 12 p.m. EST. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast as soon as it comes out, it's only two days away. So make sure you register if you are interested Again, that's going to be with Julia Nikishna and uh, Kimberly, who will be on the call, and we're going to make sure that we get all of your questions answered. We will make the recording available if you are not able to attend live. So if you do register uh, with the intention of listening to it after, feel free to send me an email if you have any questions that you want me to make sure that I get in front of Kimberly or Julia. Uh, but registration's open. Reach out to me if you've got any questions, either prior to registering or that you want me to get live on the webinar. But it's happening this week. So don't wait. Head to the website, businessofdesign.com uh, to get full details and to register. Thanks so much. Robin, tell me, you are, you're in Finland right now. That's correct. Yes, I not, am. Enjoying. Not just right now, that's where you live. <laughs> that's exactly right. Yes, it's been my home for 20 years now, and we're enjoying some wonderful Finnish uh, summertime, which is what we deserve after a long, tough winter. Oh, that is so true. Uh, living in Canada, I certainly can relate to that. And I'll tell you what else I can relate to, this kind of message that while we all want to have harmony in our business and therefore in our lives, we have to do the work in order to make that happen. And so what we wanted to talk to you today about is specifically what are the things we need to do in order to become self-aware so we can begin to strategically direct how we want our business to run. That was a mouthful. What do you think of that, Robin? I think that's a fantastic question and what a great subject to get started on. And I think my design business journey, which has been 
running for over 20 years now, um, has helped me to really become self-aware. And that's one of the key key uh, commitments, I think, that we all need to make as design business owners if we are to, to make progress. And uh, for me, I think the concrete steps towards becoming self-aware are to do analysis and conduct audits on ourselves and our project uh, and our projects and customers and so this is a way that we can really sort of dig, dig deep and dig under the surface um, and there's two ways that i have found really useful for this and the first one it might seem really obvious to us all and that is to keep track of our time and our actions and what we are actually spending our time doing I think it's very common as designers that we try to do absolutely everything our, ourselves. We jump around trying to keep our clients content and uh, we're in danger of uh, our work days just slipping away without us really knowing where the time has gone. I, so I am... I totally relate to that. Like you'll start working on Mrs. Smith and before you know it, five minutes later, Mr. Jones needs something and then Mr. Lee. And then before you know it, you've forgotten what you had to do that was so urgent for Mrs. Smith. And so uh, do you, um, I, I guess I, I want to ask you right off the top, Robin, because you're you're practicing as an interior design professional, mostly commercial design, I think. Is that right? That's correct. Yes, we do uh, office interiors. So we work for global corporations who have some office space in Finland. So quite often our customers are, are big, well-known corporations in IT or tech or pharma. And uh, we help them create offices here in, uh, in Finland. Amazing. And do you remember when you realized... Uh, what, why it was important for you to do some self-assessment. Do you remember what some of your initial audits were and how that impacted you? Yes, I think that one of the first things which revealed so much to me was just auditing my time, how my time was being spent through the week. And to do this, I just created a simple spreadsheet and basically broke my time down into blocks and then recorded daily exactly what I was doing and then tried to put that those activities into some sort of category. So whether I was delivering projects for clients and carrying out those kind of actions, whether I was going to meetings on site or traveling or whether I was doing marketing, sales or admin, uh, all, these, uh, all these tasks I tried to you know, categorize everything that I did and record those meticulously so then I could go back and see where my time was going. I wonder, have you had similar similar experience of trying to, to track exactly where your hours are disappearing to each day? Oh, I am so disciplined about that. But I do remember when I first started really paying attention to that, how shocked I was that so much of my time was spent on things that were administrative and in my mind at that time, perhaps not billable, and how that time could have been better spent doing something way more important, like getting a new client, you know, or keeping my best clients happy. So I think that that's exactly. an important, right? Yeah. What, did, what were the takeaways for you? Where were you losing time? I had a very similar experience. So, of course, a huge amount of time 
was going on very low level admin tasks. And so it became quite clear that the first person that I should get help from would be an administrative assistant or office manager, somebody that I could uh, outsource a lot of these mundane tasks to. Mm-hmm. And then I noticed that a huge amount of time went on preparing drawing work. And so bringing in an assistant to help produce computer drawings was essential. And so over the time, I gradually started to move my time from the the lower level uh, tasks to ones like you say, which are the most important where we should be spending our time as uh, company owners, the ones where we are working directly with our clients and having contact with customers and uh, carrying out marketing activities and trying to fill our sales pipeline for the future. You know, you said it might be self-evident, and I, I suppose it is. Nobody listening to this podcast will say, oh, great idea. I should track my time and pay attention to my time. But there's still so much resistance in the industry to that. People somehow often feel that that is a waste of their energy to track that resource of time. And there's a big push in, in, from, uh, in residential design, at least. And I'm sure um, commercial design is a little bit different because you probably usually work on a flat fee. But in residential design, there's kind of a big push to embrace a flat fee so you can therefore completely disregard the element of the resource of time and just ignore that. But you're missing out on so much if you do that. I totally agree. Yes, it's really, really easy to fall in the trap of thinking that tracking time is a waste of your time and you shouldn't be shouldn't be spending time fiddling with uh, such things as completing these spreadsheets. But the insight that you gain from it is really invaluable and can be quite shocking as well. I have also done um, coaching with uh, with um, business owners and uh, I learned from them that they're really surprised when they actually see just how much time goes on quite insignificant uh, insignificant actions such as traveling, going to meetings and and doing things which are um, not bringing great value to their company at all. And then if we follow that thread, of course, we want to be looking at the time that an employee or even an independent contractor is spending on a project. And you're going to learn the same kinds of things like, wow, there's an enormous amount of time going into non-billable tasks, which are not as important as those tasks which are moving clients, moving projects forward, right, and making clients happy. Very much so, yes. I think um, really being aware of our our actions where our energy and our attention is going is really important. You mentioned that there were two different ways that you audited or two different avenues for for self-assessment, and one of them was tracking time. What was the other one? I don't want to forget and not get that in. Oh, yes, exactly. So the other audit that I love to do is to audit my projects. And this is a way to really understand what we are doing and for whom and why. And doing this regularly is really important. So creating project scorecards effectively, where I try and list all the attributes um, for every project. So whether or not it's um, the amount of time it takes to deliver the project, the amount of revenue we generate, how much enjoyment we're getting from that project, whether we feel that we are kind of in our sweet spot and really delivering to the kind of uh, kind of customer that we should be doing, 
uh, all these different uh, criteria. We put those all together in a scorecard and really give ratings to, to every one of those attributes so that we can constantly be filtering and considering the project types we are doing and, uh, and why. And of course, one of the elements that we examine there is the profitab uh, profitability of each project. And so the data we gather from those scorecards really helps us to understand what customer types we should be focusing on. It really helps us to build a solid customer avatar when thinking of our marketing and who we're trying to reach and the story that we are telling. So, and this is an ongoing process, of course, it's not something which we do once in the business and we instantly have all the answers, but as time goes by, we try to, to run these audits a couple of times a year and really sort of take stock, uh, take a sort of bird's eye view of, uh, of where we are in the business, who we're helping and, and why that is. Have you been able to draw any conclusions or common denominators from those projects where you all feel like you're really in your sweet spot? And what are they? So for me, I think we have a very clear niche in our business. In Finland, as in every other, every other nation, there are competitors in the uh, commercial space also providing office design. But as a Brit here in Finland, I think my USP is quite clear that whilst some of my competitors, at least originally, they had much better network here, they had much better local knowledge and what have you. But it was quite clear to me that my advantage was my uh, being able to wear a sort of international hat and, uh, and be the contact point in Finland for uh, global real estate managers, global customers who need designers here in Finland. So to be this sort of bridge between the local uh, teams who are using the office spaces and the, the groups of, uh, of professionals who are sometimes overseas and uh, coordinating these projects. So I think my, uh, my, USP, my USP was kind of clear from the start. And of course, when uh, analyzing the projects um, in this way, using the scorecard system. It helped me in the early days really, really understand the value I was bringing to which project and why. Just in case anyone missed it, the USP is the unique selling proposition. So how did you, how did you figure out that that was your unique selling proposition? Like, did you, did you know it from the get-go or was it after you did some assessment, you said, every single time our best clients seem to come to us with this need? Yes, I think it was uh, generally from the assessments that I discovered that that it always seemed to be that the projects where I was able to bring the best value to the customers and we had the greatest success, they were often the ones with this international element. And so it became clear that that's where I could focus my marketing and uh, and grow my, my company in that way. And um, I... Uh, for me, I think one of the biggest tips I could give to other designers who run their own business um, is something that I learned from reading Arnold Schwarzenegger's uh, biography, who's a, a hero of mine and probably someone who's talked about quite a bit at the moment with a new Netflix series out at the moment. Um, have you, by the way, have you Arnold, seen it? Is, it? is it called FUBAR? Is that the one you're talking about? Actually, I haven't seen the show yet. I think that there's a 
um, a fictional series called Fubar running currently. But then there's another documentary about Arnold, um, which is a separate a separate show, um, and I haven't actually seen it yet. Oh, okay. But it's one I will be watching when I get a moment. So okay, now now I'm curious. Um, I looked at those and I thought, nah, I'm not really interested. But now, of course, you have me curious. But go ahead. You said you uh, learned you uh, learned uh, this uh, concept from reading his book. Yes, exactly. And his tip is to try to turn what are apparent weaknesses into our unique strengths. And this is something which helped me clarify my the direction of my company for sure, because it seemed when I first moved to Finland 20 years ago, of course, I was quite an outsider here. I didn't have the network and connections that local designers had. I had a different uh, design background and a different education. And it seemed to me that um, my difference at first sight, it looked like it would be a weakness when it came to to running my own business here and developing my own business. But um, with Arnold's tip in mind, I came to realize that actually the thing that set me aside uh, or set me apart from the locals, my uh, my international background and uh, English language abilities and what have you, could actually serve as a benefit to me. And uh, and so that started me down down the, the track of commercial uh, design for, for global corporations. And uh, this is something that Arnold has used throughout his career, um, whether it's been uh, creating construction companies or um, becoming uh, a movie star or, or becoming a, a political, um, politically active in, uh, in California. So he's managed to take his uh, what appeared to be weaknesses on the surface and turn them into his strengths. So that's something that I would recommend everyone dive into. And it's, it's a really uplifting story, I think. I love that for you. And I'm trying to think like, uh, honestly, if I had to say what my what a core weakness was when I started my interior design business, it was just my inability to understand money and how it worked and how it was important. And I, I'm trying to think how I would turn that into a strength except for just acknowledge that and then get people on my team who could take that over and teach me. And, and so I became more confident, but I'm not, hmm, I'm trying to think about how that might work. Yes, it's it's not uh, it's counterintuitive, I think. So it's not easy to to figure out, and uh, and it takes some time to to try and uh, and take a weakness and try to see it in a, a in a new perspective, so that it becomes almost your superpower. But yes, in your case, I wonder how how that's possible. That would take some uh, take some thought, I think, and some a little analysis to try and figure out. But obviously, gonna... <laughs> it's something which you have overcome with great success. So, yeah, I'll be I'll be noodling that about when I'm doing my yoga my shavasana today. I'll be <laughs> that'll be what is going through my mind. How how does that work? That's so interesting. Um, I know anybody listening to the podcast knows I'm a huge fan of Michael E. Gerber and the E Myth, and that's really what be, began to turn my business around. Really realizing that I needed to work on my business, and I know that's one of your mantras as well. Besides auditing uh, your time and auditing past projects, are there other things you do on a regular basis, Robin, that allow you to stay on top of working on your business? Yes. So um, I'm also a fan of uh, of the E-Myth and uh, Michael 
Gerber's techniques and uh, what a wonderful, wonderful uh, tale that tells. Um, and for me, I think uh, um, constantly trying to see my business as a set of processes, as a machine with many cogs which turn wheels and, and create a result, I think is key. Um, so the company is set up so that we have um, many, many um, SOPs, standard operating processes, which uh, my team follow. And so we are never creative in our processes. Of course, we always try to be creative in our design projects, but the way we deliver those is never creative. Um, we always follow um, a set playbook with many checklists and meetings for specific purposes where we go through um, go through very predetermined uh, tasks at each uh, step of the way. And my job and the job of my team is to constantly improve those processes so everybody has access to those and can make changes and updates as they learn and, and get better. So the, the company kind of takes on a life of its own and, and develops without me, which is wonderful to see. Um, so that's one way that I managed to kind of... Um, tried to see the business in a sort of holistic approach uh, or holistic way is by considering it as a as a machine and at a very practical level um, how I managed to get kind of a, a nice uh, distant view of the company is that I take a lot of time away from my work environment and I'm sure it's the same with you in Canada that partly because uh, of the radical changes in season we have here. Um, it's really important to make the most of nature and the good weather when we have it. So I'm a great advocate of taking time away from the computer screen, getting out into nature and, uh, and getting some exercise. So for me, the time when I get to think about my business um, and make decisions about new directions and new things to try it's often when i'm actually out in nature either jogging or out on my bike or something like that and those moments allow me to take a step away from the business and almost uh, look down from above and try and see the whole thing for what it is and uh, take a break from the the day-to-day -day hustle and bustle of what's going on on uh, individual project tasks such good advice. And I imagine there are people listening, thinking, you know, good for you. I am so overwhelmed. And I, while I know I need to get out for a run or get on my bike, I'm barely managing now. So I wonder if you could just dig deep back to when you started your business, Robin, and are there some things you would say to that person specifically? Here are some things you can do right now to begin to achieve a better balance in your life and start approaching your business from, as you say, a bird's eye view? I think it's essential to try and block some time and allocate it to doing exactly that. So many of us designers, we start our work day by opening our computer, seeing our inbox with new messages and having our phone start ringing the minute we start work and straight away we're into the, the daily grind and the daily hustle of running a design business. And of course, it's important that we are active and that we do respond quickly to, to uh, incoming 
questions from the building site and and suppliers and and uh, confused customers. Um, but at the same time, it's really important that we time block uh, moments in our weekly calendar for business development. And so I have moments when my email is switched off, my phone is on silent, and I block. For me, an hour and a half works really well. Uh, a 90-minute session where I can really focus on a task which is not related to a project. And that might be business development, thinking of new customer segments to approach, new ways to, to reach people, um, and, and new, new marketing tactics. It might be allocated to uh, marketing, to creating uh, social media posts or sending out emails to my list, or it might be allocated to sales where I'm chasing leads and trying to contact people uh, who I know could be potential customers. Um, but whatever the um, activity is, I really time block that and protect that time so that I'm not distracted by anything else. And I would really recommend to anybody who's running their own design company, just block out a 90, even if it's just 90 minutes each week, block that out and really focus on the big picture stuff, where you're trying to get to, how you're going to get there, what are the things you need to do during the next week or two to move your business towards those goals and just take time out of the, the daily chores of uh, juggling projects, which we all know uh, can can suck up every minute of our time if we're not careful. That is such good advice. And the fact of the matter is your business will not burn to the ground if you sacrifice 90 minutes to focusing on what are you going to do to move it forward in a really big way. I know years ago I spent 90 minutes with a business coach each week and then I blocked out another couple of hours for myself to work on the items we decided that were important. But it's funny that you said specifically an hour and a half because for a long time I was blocking three hours and I just, it was too long. I would lose my focus and... Um, or I would spend a full three hours doing something that really only needed an hour and a half or an hour. So I, I have recently decided that 90 minutes is kind of a sweet spot for me and sometimes even less depending on what the task is because what, what's that rule, Parkinson's rule, whatever amount of time you have, you'll fill it. <laughs> so if I know exactly. I'm going to do social media posts, it's like one hour, get it done. It's not the most important thing you do in your day. Exactly, yes. And sometimes some time pressure can actually give you better results than if you allow a task to spread to fill a, a block of time. So, yes, it's. Uh, I totally agree with that, that. Quite often less is more when it comes to, to allowing time for something. Yes. Well, thank you. I really appreciated this conversation. I feel like it's given me a few things to think about. And Robin, we like to end every episode with something we call design intervention, which is just a final piece of advice that uh, you think everybody will benefit from. Yes, I think uh, to reiterate the last idea, basically, that just find a little bit of time in your, your calendar where you can really block out absolutely everything else and focus on nothing else but how you want to develop your business and the kind of life you want to build for yourself so that you really have a, a, a clear vision of what you're aiming at and that can serve as a north star then for every decision that you make so i totally recommend trying to find uh, find the time for that 
And I love that you said the kind of life you want rather than the kind of business. For so long, I was trying to figure out what, what do I want my business to be when really I should be thinking, what do I want my life to be? And then my business is there to serve that goal, not the other way around. What a wonderful idea. Yes, I've never heard it put like that, but I totally agree. Yes, tremendous. Well, I hope one day to get to Finland. I haven't been to that part of the world yet, but I would like to. And uh, we appreciate you giving us your time and energy this morning. And although, is it morning there or it's evening? Actually, yes, it's uh, afternoon here, late afternoon. Ah, beautiful. I hope you're going to get out for that run. I certainly plan to, yes. (laughs) Thank you so much for the welcome. And it's wonderful to chat to you. You too, Robin. Thanks for listening and supporting the BOD mission to improve the industry one design business at a time. If you're ready to implement an exact business model for running a streamlined, profitable business, field tested by thousands of design professionals around the world, head to businessofdesign.com and get started today. It's time to dramatically improve your business and transform your life.